The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. Today at the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, we're going to be talking about some of the documentaries I've been watching the last couple of days. I got my hands on the A&E biography of Randy Macho Man Savage. I also got to see both episodes of the Dark Side of the Ring with Brian Pillman's documentary. Also, we're going to go through, talk about Under Siege. It happened last night with Impact's pay-per-view. We'll be talking about that. That and much more on the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. Welcome to another episode of the Chokeslam Wrestling Report. I am your host, the infamous Ultimate One. And today, we are going through some discussions of some of the documentaries I saw this weekend. Also, we're going to be talking about Under Siege and the impact and what is next. Um, also, some wrestling news and rumors. And we're definitely going to be talking about the death of New Jack which caught me off guard. Uh, I didn't get to find out till almost 2 in the morning Saturday because I guess I was running around Friday and not really paying attention to the dirt sheets and the news. So I didn't catch up until, you know, I found out later on uh, when I got up and checked my phone. Uh, I saw that through uh, Homicide's Instagram where he said he wished he wrestled New Jack. So we're going to be talking about that. But well, let's talk about the documentation of that Randy Savage autobiography from A&E. Now, a lot of you may say, well, you're a little, little too late because that happened a couple of weeks ago. Well, don't care what anybody says because I have my input on this autobiography because I noticed that A&E and uh, WWE went real, real deep into Randy Macho Man's uh, uh, autobiography, but most of the stuff I already knew. The fact that how he was with Miss Elizabeth, how he uh, was overprotected, had closed her in the locker room and with a key so nobody could go in and harass her or whatever. So Macho Man was very, very overprotective with Liz. Uh, they also brought up the situation with far as Liz and the um, her overdosing while she was dating Lex Luger. Um, a very interesting part that they brought up was that Randy Savage, after Elizabeth and Luger started dating, he didn't really he didn't really care about it. Not that he cared about it, but you would figure like a guy who was married once to you know to her and now she was dating somebody who was in the same promotion, worked with the same promotion. Um, and, you know, you figure, like, there'll be something like, what happened with Chris Benoit and Kevin Sullivan? Uh, the Chris Benoit Kevin Sullivan uh, woman was Sullivan's wife. You know, and then 
something happened between uh, Sullivan and woman when they had marital issues and then she started watching Benoit. They carried on that real life drama into their wrestling matches, which it, it, it was crazy. Um, but Macho Man was cool about it. I mean, he was the one who, you know, um, championed for her to come to WCW and be part of his, of the NWO back then. So that was very interesting. But the part that really, really caught me off guard, which I don't even think Dark Side of the Ring did this, they went deep into the uh, gorgeous George and Macho Man's relationship. And it is crazy how Macho Man uh, was very overprotective, also with gorgeous George, as he had cameras all over her property, uh, making sure that gorgeous George was not cheating on him or whatever. And she found out about it. And not only that, but the sad part was someone went to Gorgeous George and pretty much told her of what Macho Man had done to Liz. She didn't believe it at first, but once she found out about the, the uh, you know, the cameras um, in the house and all that, uh, she confronted him about it. And then next thing you know, they ended up breaking up. And then Macho Man ended up just cutting her off on everything. I mean, Gorgeous George pretty much had it all. A girl who, at the way the documentary uh, portrayed her, was a girl who was working in some strip club, and she got thrown out of the strip club outside for whatever reason. They got into it. She got into it with a, with a, with a patron, and that's how she met Macho Man once she got thrown out, and Macho Man pretty much took care of her, took care of her kid, and she went on to follow Macho Man you know, to WCW. Another interesting point was that Macho Man was taking steroids very, very uh, heavy in taking steroids and taking all kinds of pills and all that. And that pretty much, you know, Macho Man was already paranoid, dude. Imagine him taking steroids and then taking, you know, all kinds of uppers, downers. Uh, David talked about how he showed up with a red suit, uh, with a red hat. I remember that. And they were both high as a kite. So A&E went deep. I'm talking about they went more deep than uh, Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I think uh, at the end, though, um, I think WWE is trying to, you know, not hide anything now. I mean, hide not, not hide anything because, I mean, pretty much Dark Side of the Ring has pretty exposed the WWE who they are throughout the years. And this was a situation that, you know, A&E and WWE agreed to for this autobiography, but they went deep. I mean, they went real deep. Uh, they talked about how he got back with his high school sweetheart. Uh, they, I'm talking about they went real deep. Uh, the And the best part of the whole documentary was the, how they talked about Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, WrestleMania three, that they wrote down 170 six moves they were playing to during the match. I love how Hulk Hogan tries to, you know, portray this good guy type of thing. Like he said, oh, you know, he, he didn't know why Macho Man, you know, was always fighting with him. It's this two sides, the three sides of the story. Here's Macho Man and the truth. And I felt that Hogan wasn't being genuine in this documentary. Um... He even went as far as saying, oh, Macho Man was not trying to top me and Andre in the, you know, on WrestleMania 3. And Ricky Steamboat said, well, yes, we were trying to top 
steal the show. And they actually stole the show, if you really think about it. But that match is one of the greatest matches ever in, in WWE history. WrestleMania 3, Macho Man and Steamboat for the Intercontinental title. And they planned this out. They went over it. It quizzed each other. Macho Man was intense. Macho Man wanted to make the match great. I mean, Macho Man knew he was going to lose the belt. And he still was trying to steal the show from the Hogan and Andre main event. Um, at that time, I wouldn't have noticed it because everybody was focused on the Andre versus Hogan. And it was good. But if you look at it now, Steamboat and Macho Man stole that WrestleMania. And they did it, and they did it in great fashion. Let's talk about another uh, documentary that I saw. The Brian Pillman documentary. It's a two-part series of the Dark Side of the Ring. And that one really, really caught me off guard. How, and man, he rested people. How much of an asshole uh, Brian Pillman was. Uh, what he did uh, as far as, you know, outside the wrestling ring, uh, you know, uh, taking the kids away from his ex-wife, shitting on his wife constantly, all that. If you really think about it, he pretty much, you know, I'm not much into the religion stuff, whatever, but I think God don't like others. Because what he did, taking uh, his daughter away from his wife, his first wife, um, and then she went out to kill herself. It, it's, you know, it's something that, you know, he had to live with for the rest of his life. And to top it off, you know, he um, didn't treat his kids good. Um, well, actually, he did treat his kids good, but, I mean, you don't do stuff like that. I mean, and, and the daughter saw that. And Pillman was just one guy who wanted to manipulate the status quo in the wrestling business. As, as, they, as they kept on documenting what he was doing, he was trying to uh, take leverage on WCW and WWE. His content was coming up, and he told Bishop, you know, act, act like you fired me and make it, I want the paper to show that it's official. But what he didn't know was that he did that. He signed the, the the paper, but he thought he was coming back. And instead, he showed up, uh, or he tried to uh, negotiate a deal with WWE. He showed up at ECW, uh, just the loose cannon. And that whole loose cannon um, gimmick at one point was working. And he was, I mean, I remember, I remember the match between Hillman, I forgot who he was wrestling, and he grabbed Bobby Hinton. Bobby Hinton threw the F bomb in the paper. I remember that religiously. I, I just, I remember that. It was just crazy. But, you know, he was trying to get leverage to get more money, you know? And it kind of worked. But at the same time, he was using painkillers. He was using all kinds of things. And that kind of caught up. That's why he had the car accident. He barely. He almost lost his foot. Um, he was still trying to wrestle with that injury and all that because that was him. And, you know, he needs to have a surgery. And that's when Austin attacked him on one Monday Night Raw. The whole gun thing, McMahon had apologized to the network. It was something that they did not like. Um, so, Pillman did a lot of stuff that, uh, 
you know, I think he was just reckless. You know, this guy had a lot of talent. He was never the same, you know, and he was never that Brian Pillman from WCW to that Brian Pillman who was in WWE because he was damaged goods. He was broken. He was just taking pills and all that. And and one day in 1997 in Minnesota, they found him dead in his hotel room. And, you know, and, and it's and it's sad. It's very sad when you hear stories like that. Brian Pillman, if he would have never had the car accident, God knows what would have happened. He was a former four horseman. He, it, it is crazy. If he would have stood at WCW, the four horsemen would have been Flair, Anderson, Pillman, and Benoit. You know how crazy that would have instead of Mongo? And Mongo got replaced Pillman as part of the horsemen. So it would have been crazy because Pillman was just he was a nutcase. I mean, he even him in the match with him and Sullivan, he stopped halfway in the match and he called and, and told Sullivan, I'm not going to wrestle you no more, Mr. Booker. And he left. And he kind of told everybody that the Booker at that time was Kevin Sullivan. He was breaking walls. He was doing stuff that, you know, um, it was amazing that this guy who, you know, his, his childhood had gone through a lot of surgeries because of his throat and all that. And he just went completely nuts. Like, he just he just wanted to wrestle. He he, he was in denial. He, he uh you know, he even told that Jim Bros betrayed him because he wanted to make sure he was not taking any drugs or whatever, and they found him dead. I mean, this is this is when that I think that time, nineteen ninety seven, was the start. Of all these wrestlers dying, uh, very young, and it went a trend that ended almost at two thousand and I think the last person that I remember that died two thousand seven young was Chris Benoit when he killed himself and the family because the steroid use. They were used, painkillers, all that. I mean, they say he had, uh, he had, I, I believe, what they're saying that he, he had uh, brain damage also. So, I mean, it's 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 crazy. I mean, oh, well, I think that was it. Him, I don't remember who it was that I heard that had like, uh, actually, it was Benoit who had the, the, the brain of uh, Alzheimer's for many years. These guys were taking a lot, a lot of steroids back then, a lot of painkillers, a lot of, you know, and, and it was just that type of And, I mean, I look at it, do I feel sorry for him? Um, Kind of, because, you know, if he would have not had that accident, you know, he probably would have still been wrestling to this day or he would have been some type of legend. But he, outside of the wrestling, he was just a total asshole. Like, you know, how you play your wife out all the time, playing her and that, got the next girl pregnant and that's Brian Pillman Jr.'s mom. And this is why Brian Pillman Jr. doesn't get, like, people don't like him. And, and it's because of his father. He's carrying his father's sins. And I think this is why they're not pushing him like he's supposed to. And, and that's not good. That's not something you want to bring carry on for the, as your legacy in wrestling. Because, you know, he did something that most of us in my like, if, if my father was a, a, a total asshole, I'm not going back into the business where everybody else knows that my father's a total asshole. Because then they're going to label me. Because this is the way society is now. Uh, it was just... It was just an incredible, uh, an incredible, incredible documentary. Both of them, actually. The Randy Savage and the Brian Pillman. 
uh, A, which is amazing. It just caught me off guard of all the stuff that Pillman did. I mean, you like sometimes you look at these wrestlers and you look at them and they become like part of your family, your everyday life if you're a wrestling fan. And then when you hear what the stuff they do behind the scene, it's it's they're just like the rest of society. You know, they 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 live under this this facade that this this you know happy guy who's doing his job and behind the scene they could be monsters. So you know the Randy Savage show part, I mean that I think the guy was just you know over intense, over paranoid. Uh, the Brian Pillman story was just incredible. Uh, I I advise you guys to check it out. Uh, the Randy Matchman Savage was very very they went deep. Like I said, they went very deep on that. But Brian Pillman, Dark Side of the Ring, they always do a great show on that. So, you know, it's, it's something to look forward to. So, if you guys are bored, check it out. I mean, Dark Side of the Ring, they on point. I'm, I'm going to catch up with the Nick Cage one this week, and I'll probably give you an analysis on that. So, you know. And they also have Collision in Korea. That's something I'm definitely looking forward to watching that uh, documentary because I remember about that show in 1994. So, We'll be right back after this. Today's episode is brought to you by Fulton, modern brand of arch support. Fulton runs the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable insole on the planet. Fulton insoles have a deep heel cup and comfortable arch support that aligns your body from head to toe. And made using sustainable materials like vegan cactus leather and cork. Allow them to mold to the shape of your arch that provide customized support. They also shock, observing, reducing impact on the body and align with the natural foam that makes them vegetable comfortable. Fulton is offering our listener $10 off on your next purchase at walkfulton.com by using the code Pod 10. That's code Pod 10 for $10 off at walkfulton.com. Check out the website to see how Fulton can support you. And we're back. So we're going to go now and talk about Under Siege last night. Now, mind you, you know, this was a kind of a pay per view just to get everything probably for Slam Anniversary. Uh, I do get some of these uh, podcasters that you know, they do their shows and they pretty much say, oh, who cares about um, who cares about Impact? Well, Impact is part of pro wrestling and if you're a podcast, a wrestling podcaster, you should be covering it because it's going to lead to uh, other storylines. Now, Mind you, you may not like the whole, I mean, you got AEW haters, and it looks like they don't care. Like, I mean, I sometimes ask, if, if you don't care about Impact, you don't care about AEW, but yet you talk about WWE all the time, I mean, you're wasting your time. Because as far as WWE is concerned, I mean, I heard Jinder Mahal came back with a bunch of two other guys, and I don't know who they attacked, and I don't care. Now, that I don't care, because now you're pushing Jinder Mahal the worst WWE champion ever. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, you, you want to talk about that. You want to talk about the Selena Vega returning back, which I find it kind of stupid because you got shown the door 
last November because you didn't want to shut down the OnlyFans um, website, you know, because of the, you know, three third party crap. And you want to talk about that, which, I mean, at the end of the day, where's that going to lead? That's going to lead to nothing. She'll be back on TV. She'll still be uh, uh, doing whatever she's doing. And they talk about she got she got good promos. So what? You know, and this is the thing. People are like, oh, promos. Uh, you know, you got to have good promos. It's called professional wrestling, not called professional promos. And promos don't mean shit to me if you're not, you can't wrestle. So, you know, on the siege, yes, you may not like it because it's Impact. And yes, Impact has a lot of things to work. But there are very, a lot of things that were set up for the shows coming up. And, and I'm talking about the show coming up, is, which is anniversary. So, one of the sh- matches that I was very a couple of shockers, and there was one that I knew it was going to happen. And one of them was, I knew that Fire and Flavor were going to regain the title uh, from Jordan Grace and, and Rachel Ellery. That was going to happen. And I still say why they took the belts away from the girls. I don't know why, because they were the better matchup when they wrestled Ellery and Grace at uh, Rebellion. Um and the girls ended up winning the belts back, which is the right thing to do. Um, and it's kind of like weird when you had we were talking about Jordan Grace not going to sign or was her contract was up. Her contract was up this month. As soon as she won the title, she signed with Impact. And now I figure, well, she, they gave her the belt probably because they wanted to keep her. And as soon as she signed the contract, now she doesn't have a belt. Now, my thing is, are you still going to be uh, uh, building around Jordan Grace uh, as now, you know, she's, I don't know if I could say, uh, you know, um, Jordan Grace being like the, the baby face of the company and you're going to build around her to take Deanna Peraza. Deanna Peraza, nobody could be Deanna Peraza. Peraza just be Havoc. And Havoc was like the biggest threat. And... She'd be happy. Again, I keep saying that Diana Perrazzo should be heading to AEW and challenging the winner of the double or nothing match between Sheeta and uh, Britt Baker. I mean, would it have been great if Diana Perrazzo makes a showing at double or nothing? Not going to have fans in there, which will make it even better. You know what I'm saying? So, again, also say, who cares about impact? Remember, this is. Yeah, they have pay-per-views or, or Impact Plus to set up the bigger show, which is Slanniversary coming up. So, yes, uh, again, uh, Ace Austin and uh, and Matt, Matt Fulton uh, are, going, are the number one contenders to the Impact World Tag Team titles, and they will be facing Finn Juice and David Finley coming up on this Thursday on Impact. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, so Ace Austin going for the Impact World Tag Team title along with Matt, Matt Fulton. Very interesting situation. Deanna Peraza again beat Havoc, like I said earlier. That was nothing new. We saw the changing of the guards again. New Knockouts Tag Team Champion. Fire and Flavor. Just won the tag team belt, becoming the first Knockouts Tag Team to become two times champion since the restoration of those tag belts. Um, we also saw 
the uh, this was it, a six man number one contender. Moose ends up winning the number one contender uh, match, and which sets up what I've been saying for months, which I think should have happened: Moose versus Kenny Omega for the Impact World Tag Team. And I'm um, the World Tag Team. Why I'm saying World Tag Team? The Impact World Title. So Moose against Omega. That's gonna probably be in some anniversary. Now again, we will be like, who cares? Well, most will say you don't care is because they still watching WWE, hoping that WWE will change. It's not changing, so stop. So that's gonna be interesting to watch. Moose versus Omega. They met at the six-man tag back at Hard to Kill. Uh, and Moose took it to Omega. So this is one of the Omega's biggest challenge because Moose is way bigger than him. And for a guy who's seven-footer, he could move in that ring and throw himself around that ring like he's a cruiserweight. So people shouldn't be sleeping on this guy because he's going to do what he's going to do. Josh Alexander retained his uh, Impact Exhibition title uh, after defeating El Fantasmo. My question is, uh, why did Fantasmo came to Impact to lose to Josh Alexander? Uh, even though it would, it, it still was a great match because you push a Josh Alexander with one of the best, uh, say, uh, high flyers or cruiserweight champions in wrestling. Because again, El Fantasmo is the uh, uh, Red Pro cruiserweight champion, and this guy was a former IWGP tag team champion with Bone Soldiers in Japan. So this guy got credentials. Well, I'm surprised that uh, Josh Alexander made him tap. So, uh, Fantasmo, um, you know, wrestling match with Josh Alexander, um, not a good one for him because he lost. So, uh, but then again, a uh, impact taking advantage of the forbidden door that most people don't like. Uh, so, you know, because people just want things right away. You know, things happen right away. So I'm one of them. Sometimes I get caught up, but I know this is a slow process. We saw it on Wednesday with Judy Nagata versus Don Moxley. That's the open door for anybody from Japan to come and challenge John Moxley for the IWGP United States title. Same thing is said now. Impact has a door wide open. Not a crack open. They have it wide open. So anybody can come in. Finn Juice are the Impact World Tag Team Champions. They're from New Japan. Fantasma, New Japan. So you don't know what's expecting this anniversary. You know, it's going to be very, very interesting coming up for uh, Impact. The, uh, the again, the women's tag team titles, what, who's going to be the next challenger for Fire, Fire and Flavor? Because these women, um, you know, they, they should have never lost the tag team. And like, again, like I said, the reason they gave the belts to Jordan Grace and Ellering was because they were trying to make sure that Jordan signed that contract. You know, a shocker that happened on uh, one of the co-main events was the Good Brothers versus Kenny Omega against um, Finn Juice and Eddie Edwards. Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice end up beating the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. Now, I was very shocked, very shocked, because Omega was saying, with me in it, we're not losing. They ended up losing. This is, I think, their first loss as a, uh, a trio. Um, 
I'm just I'm just hoping that this whole thing with the uh, the bell collector thing uh, doesn't end up just uh, ending right away because I still want to watch uh, guys like Nick Aldis go against Omega Bell versus Bell. I want to see uh, Will Osprey IWGP champion against the AEW World Champion because that could happen, guys. That could happen. Um, I don't care about anything else right now what's going on with other scenes, whatever. Um, but very interesting to see if this whole belt collector continues. But it was a shocker to see Finn Juice and Eddie Edwards beating Omega and the Good Brothers. I think that's their first loss as a team. They haven't lost they haven't lost in AEW. They haven't lost in impact. And they lost last night. So that was a shocker. But the interesting part, like I said, moves won the Number one contender shot because Sammy Callahan was taken out by the Good Brothers. Jump Sammy Callahan. Callahan was unable to win the, the, the I think it was the six man number one contender, whatever the calling, whatever they had. But Sammy Callahan is the guy that he says that Don Callis is afraid of. And I mean, I think Don Callis, what he doesn't know is that, okay, even if Omega beats moves. Okay, even if Omega beats Moose, he's still gonna have to deal with Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan is gonna be the next challenger for the Impact World Title, and a lot of people like this thing with Omega carrying all these belts. Everybody like, oh, why he's not bringing the Triple A tied Mega Champion? Listen, Omega brings out the belt once in a while. He's not gonna bring the title all the time. Um, and somebody say, oh, because Triple A don't want him. That's not true. Triple A works with AEW. Okay, they have a partnership. Okay, and Omega don't always carry the Triple A Mega Championship. He's been carrying. If and then people were complaining that Michael Nakazawa was carrying Omega's belts, that it shouldn't. He shouldn't carry it. Are you serious? Michael Nakazawa is Kenny Omega's stooge. He was carrying the belts. So what? You guys fight. Getting, getting all emotional about stupid shit that you watch on TV. Are you serious? Like, he's his henchman. He is his lackey. He's carrying his belt. He's carrying the main belt around his waist, which is AEW belt. This happened like two weeks ago on Bloods and Guts. People complaining, oh, he's, he's not carrying all the... Why is Michael Nakasawa carrying all the belts? What? He had the main belt around his waist. Because he was at the show, AEW, so he had the AEW belt around his way. The other two, uh, Michael Nakazawa was carrying. What's the big deal? The guys are crying over bullshit. Like, I don't get it. You know, it's just like wrestling fans need to just lighten up. Like, the shit is not that serious, you know? It's just, you know, who cares who's carrying the belt? The main thing is, they're focusing on stupid little stuff. They're not focusing on the main things. What you should be focusing on the storylines. The storyline makes sense. The matches make sense. Why certain people um, lost the match. That's what you should be worrying about. I think you're worrying about who's carrying the damn belt. Ridiculous. You know, I, I, I don't get it. I, I really, really don't get it. Sometimes it makes me question a lot of the stuff that um, that people do. So, um, so right now on the seat, um, again, I, I, I see Moose and Sammy Callahan now as the two biggest threats 
Phil Omega's TNA Impact World Titles. So it's going to be interesting. I definitely want. To, I am looking forward to Slammiversary. I want to see Slammiversary. So I will be uh, reviewing the Under Siege with my partner from uh, uh, WNR Podcast in the UK. Do you remember Lance Von Erich from World Class Championship Wrestling? You can read all about his wrestling career in Portland, in Dallas, and overseas in his new book, Lance by Chance, Wrestling as a Von Erich. 25 chapters in all. You'll be surprised what you read. Go to LanceByChance.com. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy, Jada Red Sante, host of Turnbuckle Tabloid, and you're listening to the Choke Slam Wrestling Report. And we're back with more behind the curtain and with some wrestling news and rumors. The funny thing that I read over the week, wrestling news and rumors, was the fact that Chris Jericho is out four to six weeks with an elbow injury. Now, I know for a fact that that elbow injury that he had wasn't from his fault. Because that fall that he took, the 20 or 15 feet plunge, was full of matches. So how in the world did you hurt your elbow? Was it in the match? Um, so he's out for four to six weeks. Here's the interesting part, though. If he's out for four to six weeks, double or nothing is in 17 days or 15 days, whatever it is. And um, if you saw AEW this week, you notice that the pinnacle... First of all, they got a champagne bath, a reenactment of the Stone Cold Steve Austin beer bath to the rock. Um, and after that champagne bath that the Pinnacle took, MJF got pissed off and said, well, you guys want a rematch because, you know, the inner circle wants a rematch. What happened at Bloods and Guts? Uh, he said, if you want a rematch, then guess what? We'll, we'll give you the rematch. But this is going to be a stipulation. If you lose, the inner circle breaks up. And it's going to be at the stadium stampede. Now, my thing is, are they going to do the same thing they did, I believe was last year, when um, they added Matt Hardy into the team of the elite to go against um, the inner circle last year? If Jericho is out for six weeks and he showed up with his arm braced up, if he's out for six weeks, four to six weeks, then he's not going to be able to compete at the stadium stampede. The crazy part is they haven't officially announced it or made it official because of this injury, supposedly. But it really doesn't make any sense. Um, so... And I think this is going to be the time when I, I feel that the, the, the inner circle is going to um, break up. And like I said on my podcast on Thursday, I think this benefits more Santana and Ortiz as they could concentrate now as being part of the tag team. Now that SCU, that tag team broke up. So now they're minus one tag team. Uh, top flight also, that tag team has not been wrestling because one of the brothers is hurt. So... This will add more, more magic into the tag team scene. Uh, even though now they have Eddie Kingston and Moxley as their tag team, and they're going to face the Young Bucks at 
double or nothing. I mean, don't be surprised if Moxley and Kingston wins the tag team belt. So it it it, it won't surprise me because I mean Kingston is up this due for a belt. So you know, um, so so I want to see what that's gonna happen because if he's out for four to six weeks, it does not make no sense. When in two weeks, two weeks today is the uh, you know the the paper. Don't make no sense to me. So, Scorpio Sky comments on the SCU ending. Thanks, Christopher Daniels and Frank Gazarian. They wanted Scorpio Sky to be part to the ending of that match. And he felt he said he stood by himself, watched the match in the locker room, and said that he felt he didn't want to be part of that because this is was something between the Young Bucks and SCU. The Young Bucks are his friends, so is SCU. And he felt that this this match should have been about them. But here's my thing with that. Uh, and I mentioned this on Thursday. AEW did not make this match as emotional as it was supposed to be because, first of all, the Young Bucks came out with Don Callis and the Good Brothers. That alone just messed up the whole match. You should have had a, match, a, a clean match between two tag teams that know each other very well from the independent scenes, from the pro wrestling gorillas, and then throughout the TNA days and all that stuff. And you got them in a match where you had the good brothers into the scene. So, again, who came up with this? Um, so there's a lot of things that, that I'm questioning AEW because at the end, Kazarian and, and Daniels uh, lost and there was no... Uh, they stayed there to see the emotional reaction to it. They went straight to the back to show uh, Eddie Kingston and Moxley breaking the locker room of the elite. Who cares? And that kind of messed up everything the way I see it. Then they showed. Then when they came back for commercial, they showed them hugging. And now, with that being said, this kind of brings me to think about what is really going on with AEW behind the scenes. There's been rumors for the last two weeks that. Uh, the elite, Omega and the Young Bucks, are not talking to Cody Rhodes. And I don't know if it's true or there's a, a, a rumor going around. These guys are not getting along. Uh, and it seems it seems like they, it's, it's, being, it's getting shown on TV because of the way the wrestling matches are set up. I mean, again, the SCU situation, why they didn't make it more properly where you could have a nice little send-off with uh, standing ovation. And then he showed none of that. So, and then you got Mr. Cody Rose talking about he wants to wrestle Antonio Goko and he wants to use his father, American Dream, uh, trademark, but he abandoned the trademark a year ago. So, I just don't get what's going on. So, I think there is problems in in the back between these guys, the Eagles are getting in the way. The honeymoon is over. And you knew it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. Now that Omega is like trying to be this guy winning all the belts like Thanos from Marvel, um, you know, you're going to have these problems when you got a bunch of, you know, uh, egos and all that stuff. Uh, so the question is, are AEW playing everybody up by making the, by these rumors of them not getting along uh, and, and AEW trying to outsmart the fans by changing uh, wrestling matches, by changing outcomes, because 
we are too deep into the business and we sometimes figure out everything. So they're trying to outsmart us as fans, which is not it's not a bad thing because we're sometimes too smart for our own good as far as when it comes to wrestling because sometimes now we want to be the booker, we want to be the, the person how that's the store, the master. And, um, and, and I see it. I mean, I, I sit back and I look at some of these Facebook groups, especially AEW fans, and the questions they ask, some of them are asleep. Some of them are asleep. Some wrestling fans are not even just AEW. This the regular. But I was asked, oh, where is, is Matt Warner done with MLW? He's been gone for months. He's been gone. He left MLW like two months, three months ago. It goes to show you that a lot of these fans, sometimes they, they, they ask questions, and sometimes they come up with ending or storyline, uh, you know, it's incredible. I just I just don't get it. So, uh, and speaking about, you know, storylines, there was one thing that happened on Wednesday as far as the Darby Allen versus Miro. Darby took the mic after the match and when the cameras were off and made it clear that all he wanted to be was the best TNT champion. He said he doesn't give a rat's ass about the world title, which that, shock, that shocked me. Because, I mean, most wrestlers, that's what they fight for, the world title. He said he doesn't care about the world title. All he wants is the TNT title. And then one day he'll be world champion again. So that was very interesting to see that he would say that. And speaking about, still about AEW, Full Gear will be November 6th. Uh, and they already set it up, November 6th, Saturday, November 6th. And we will have AEW Full Gear. So hopefully by then, this Forbidden Door is already outbroken you know like a like a like a virus all over the place no pun intended all over the wrestling scene and people are jumping from from impact to aew aew to nwa nwa jumping to impact you know ring of honor involved so there's a lot of stuff to be going on who knows um they are talking that andrades is in talk with aew he may come in uh and he already challenged kenny omega for the triple a mega champion August, so you know, by the end of November, we will see where we'll be at. Let's talk some WWE and you know, Sinkara, also known as Unico, who Sinkara was the second Sinkara after the first one got fired. Said, If I was Angel Garza, Roberto Carrillo, and Grand Metalli, I should be upset by at WWE. The reason he's saying that is because WWE does not respect. Latino wrestlers. And if it is with WWE doesn't respect anybody. Okay. Now, as far as them not having not even one Hispanic or Latino wrestler in their WrestleMania, it is sad. This is the reason why Andrade is left. Okay. WWE had the nerve to tell Andrade if you want to get pushed, you learn how you need to learn how to speak English. And that was like a slap to his face because it's like saying, Hey, you know, you don't get the opportunity unless you talk English. Bill Mascaras never knew English, and he was a great wrestler. Pedro Morales, the only Puerto Rican world WWE champion in 1972, he knows good English. So it's just nonsense. It goes to show you that, you know, again, people were, people were going bananas with the fact that about the Booker T because the uh, Triple H promo years ago was racist. Whatever. They've been playing the racist card. For years, they just don't make it 
obvious. Because some of these wrestling fans are asleep. And now Nick Khan, not related to Tony Khan, was talking about he wanted to do an NXT Mexico. That is not going to work. First of all, you got AAA out there, and you got CMML, which is the new w, which is the WWE of Mexico. Ain't nobody gonna want to go to to WWE NXT Mexico. You think and this is the thing? You think wrestlers don't see this? You think wrestlers don't talk? You don't see? Come on, are you kidding me? I mean. The only time that I think that WWE got lucky when it came to doing NXT outside of the United States is when they went to the UK. They got lucky because Walter. They got Walter and NXT UK. One of the best champions in the business right now. But now you're talking about going to Mexico because you want to put a brand WWE on Mexico. Well, you don't treat your Mexican wrestlers right. You got rid of Kalisto. You got rid of Andrade's left. Okay. Grand Metal League is not even used correctly. Umberto Carrillo, please. Umberto Carrillo is at the bottom of the toting pole. He's a jobber. Okay? Angel Garza is walking around giving flowers like he was in a flower shop. Come on. Okay? And then people want to cry about the Booker T situation? Hey, come on. I mean, he's been doing playing the racist card for the Ben Longest. And it's just, got people just want to bitch and moan about who your favorites or whatever. When a guy's like Sin Cara, guys like Angel Garza was a career getting shitted on every week. Nobody's complaining about that. You know what I'm saying? And St. Cairo has the right. He said, yes, these wrestlers should be upset at WWE for the way they treat the Mexican wrestlers. It's ridiculous. Unbelievable. New Japan. Let's talk about New Japan. New Japan is going to have still playing to hold the Dominion 2021 on June 6th. As you know, New Japan right now is on hold because of what happened at Tokyo, they have an emergency state. Uh, there's a state emergency because they're trying because of the, I think the pandemic or whatever. Uh, they canceled two shows. Uh, uh, I think it was yesterday's show and, oh, actually, no, May 19th show and the one for the 29th, the uh, wrestling, wrestling Grand Slam. Those two shows have been canceled. So that's not going to happen, but they're still thinking of doing it. The Dominion 2021. On June 6th. I don't know what's going to be the card, but you know, the mini is one of the best pay per views they have uh, uh, in the summer. Uh, the mini, I could always I look at the mini, and the mini will always to me be the, the card that I saw Okada versus versus Omega, an hour and six minute match. And I don't think any match that I've seen has topped that since then. So, Kurt Bow opens to working with. WWE, as long as it's beneficial for everyone, I don't kiss the ring. I love it. I love it. He's letting everybody know he's not going to kiss no ring if WWE decides to come in and work with MLW. Listen, at the end of the day, MLW should be worrying about them, and they are. that's exactly what they're doing. I love the fact that they're doing seasons, which means they're giving time to the wrestlers to recuperate, get their stuff together. I mean, and which is good. And they're gonna, I think they're going to have a draft. Uh, Myron Reed just won the middleweight championship from um, Leo Rush. I don't get why how Leo Rush lost the AAA Cruiserweight title to um, to El Dorado uh, because I saw him with the belt. I mean, I, I don't know how that happened because I know he was a AAA champion. But, um, you know, 
that goes to show you July July 7th or 10th, I think it is, that they're going to open a new season. They're going to be on Vice TV. Uh, and he made it clear. He says he works with companies that, like in New Japan, uh, other companies, AAA, where everybody benefits from it. And WWE is known to just be, come in, act like they want to benefit from it, but they want to take out the competition. That's what they do. So MLW is no longer the best kept secret in wrestling. This company is going to blow up. Okay? And people are sleeping on it. Everybody talk about AEW, they talk about WWE. But MLW is one company you shouldn't sleep. Ring of Honor is very quietly. I'm waiting for them to see this. I know they're going to have the best in the world coming up. Um, I know the La Faction got suspended for a whole month. And now there's word that Andrade's might be heading to team over Rouge. Like Gobernador and Gobernables, the original guys, the guys who made that group in Mexico, are getting back together. So that's going to be very, very interesting coming up. So, you know, a lot of stuff going on in wrestling. Um, and, you know, people should not sleep on it. Let's talk about, we're going to end this with the passing of New Jack. Now, New Jack, Jerome Young, died of 58. He had a heart attack on Friday. Uh, and it's very sad that this man passed away. But then again, God knows, you know, this man abused his body to the point where not us inside the ring, but outside the ring, he, he and he was real. He was 100% real. He used to say he used to do cocaine, he used to do uppers, downers. Uh, and I own a couple of New Jack's uh, interviews, you know, shoots. And his stories were funny. I mean, I still remember when uh, Vic Grimes didn't want to take that plunge. Uh, I think it was Living Dangerously back in 1999, I think it was. And he wanted to take the plunge with New Jack. And he hit his head on the concrete, broke his skull. Uh, cracked the skull, and then not only that, but um, uh, I think he lost vision in his eye. But he was one guy who, if you did him wrong, he was going to come get you. And Vic Grimes found that out on an independent show because I think a year later, they were fighting in a scaffold match. It must have been like 40, 50 feet up in the ring. And he flung Vic Grimes from the top of the scaffold. The only thing that saved Vic Grimes from getting killed was that his body bounced off the ring ropes and turned them back inside the ring. But even then, you never heard of Big Grimes ever again. Because New Jack, he said it. I, was, I wanted to kill him. New Jack was a crazy dude. And this is why WWE never, ever brought him in. I saw a, a promo where he's in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And he gave a shout out to OJ Simpson. That I can never get over that. He says, shout out to O.J. Simpson. He's doing the good work. And I, I can't, I can't, I can't stop laughing because I'm like, this dude went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling where you got a lot of these hillbillies, a lot of these, you know, country guy, country people, and you got this black guy in the promotion talking crazy. But that was one of my best, one of my favorite promos that he said. Shout out. To O.J. Simpson, keep doing the good work. I was crying when I saw her. I like, this dude did not care. He did not care. He definitely didn't care with the MTA situation. The young wrestler who went up to, to New Jack told him, color me, cut me. And 
New Jack went to work, and he cut him back. The guy ended up having like 20, 30 stitches. He beat the crap out of this guy. He didn't give a rat's ass about nobody. You know what I'm saying? He even stabbed some wrestler uh, uh, a couple of years after that. New Jack was crazy. New Jack did not care about anything. This guy, when he said he was gangster, it wasn't, he was, it wasn't a gimmick. He lived that gimmick. He lived that lifestyle. He was gangster. You know what I'm saying? And him and Mustafa Asae won, I believe, two ECW tag team titles. And, you know, it's just it's just crazy. But the man earned every stripe, man. He rested peace. He was one of, every time he used to come out, he used to come out with a whole garbage bag, a garbage can full of stuff, keyboards, uh, cheese craters, and everything. He would come in and blast people over the head with it. And I used to love him. I used to love him. And, you know, I sat another guy from my, you know, from my, you know, from my time that I watched wrestling back when I was 25, 26. Um, and he was out there doing his thing. Um, it's sad that he passed away at a very, 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 very early age. Um, 58, it's not old. So, but may you rest in peace, New Jack. I'm throwing the X, the gangster, and I will always appreciate your work you did in the, in the ring. That is it for me today, guys, and that is my podcast for today, guys. If you want to follow me on social media, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also uh, follow my podcast through the audio podcast of Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Amazon, uh, Podbean, uh, Google Podcasts, and any major audio podcast that you guys like to listen to, uh, and... Um, so keep doing that. Uh, if you want to follow my merchandise, you can follow tcwr.veryimpressive.com. That's tcwrveryimpressive.com. That's tcwrveryimpressive.com. So that, guys, be safe. Be uh, wear that mask. I'll see you guys on Thursday for the AEW Dynamite review. Until then, be safe, and I'll see you guys soon.